Thanks to Quip for supporting the Apple Bits XL. Join over 7 million mouths who use Quip and save hundreds compared to other Bluetooth brushes when you get your Quip smart brush for just $25. Go to getquip.com slash applebits and get your first refill for free. All right, everybody, let's get to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's the Apple Bits XL. Brian Tong here, your host, doing the most for all things good and bad inside the world of Apple. Hey, it's iPhone day, at least the time of this recording. iPhone 13 day, Friday. You know what? I think it's at the top of everyone's minds. Also, obviously, it wasn't just the iPhone 13 family with the 13 mini, 13, 13 Pro, 13 Pro Max. We also have the iPad mini that came out. We also have the ninth generation iPad. I mean, they're all available for everyone now, but you know that's kind of what's at the top of the mind, the iPhone 13, and really kind of the 13 Pro and the 13 Pro Max are the ones that have at least all of the newest features. So I'm bringing special guest, YouTuber, Apple commentator, Renee Ritchie onto the show for us to talk about all of that. So that's gonna come up really shortly. But first, let's just get to some business. We know that this show is brought to you by you. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you support all my content, how you support the podcast. It starts at $2 per month, $5, which is like a cup of coffee a month, $10, $25, and the $100 platinum Apple level. You get early access to content, bonuses at every level, and a completely ad-free version of the show. Plus, you know, we do the Zoom call. We have a fun contest coming up where we're going to do a Close Your Rings contest. Uh, just a lot of activity going on there. So patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you support this show. Also, is there a better time than now to call and express your thoughts? All you got to do is record a voice memo, send it in to applebitsshow at gmail.com. That's applebits with a Z, your name, where you're from, what you want to talk about. Keep it around one minute, 30 seconds, or two minutes tops. We will put in the show because your comments make this whole thing come alive. Can you tell that I'm hyped for this show? Of course I'm hyped. It's iPhone season, everybody. But we know exactly what you want to hear. Look, I'm thinking of you. You want to hear the good stuff. So I brought my friend Renee Ritchie to the show. We are going to really just break down what we liked about it, what we don't like about it, things to consider. Is it really a 12S? Are you going to be happy with the upgrade? What makes it special? This is everything that Renee and I have to talk about with the iPhone 13 Pro. All right, everybody. Um, we've had Renee here before. You might recognize him from such YouTube channels as the Renee Ritchie YouTube channel. Just amazing content, my man. Um, so much great in-depth stuff there. So I figured, hey, let's bring you on the show. Let's talk iPhone 13 Pro. Let's do kind of our own back and forth review. We did this before and people liked it. So I said, hey, let's just do it again. Awesome. Thank you. As you know, I've told you this personally many times, but you're my inspiration. So it's always great to be back on the show. <laughs> Thank you, man. I mean, I think the love always goes both ways and we're, awesome. we're in this kind of YouTube crazy thing together. So, um, you know, let's jump into it. People that are listening may or may not have already just gotten their iPhone. I mean, today is Friday, September 24th. It's iPhone day, I guess, you know, iPhone 13 day. So you and I have been fortunate enough to, we got early access to review these units um, from Apple. We are returning them. You know, if yes. we are buying a phone, we buy our own phone, everybody, okay? Um, I'm gonna actually pick it up after after our chat here. But, you know, so many, there was so much talk and chatter before the actual phone comes out. You know, 
whether it's Haterade, iPhone 12s, <laughs> and that that kind of narrative gets stuck in your mind. You know, I'd love to hear kind of your perspective on on that commentary before even having the phone, and then we'll just kind of talk about the phone. Yeah, I mean, like I would give it more credence if it didn't happen like every year. <laughs> every year, like, oh, it's going to be an S year, and then I just think back. Oh, but the S years were great. I mean, we got Siri in an S year. That's debatable, but like, we got Siri in an S year. We got Touch ID. <laughs> we got sixty four bit. We got three D Touch. Rest in peace. The eight oh, was man. basically a seven S. We got wireless. We got inductive charging. That the S years have been really good years for the internals. And some people they they worry about new designs. They would much rather have the established designs. They think. All the bugs have been fixed out. So they're really interested uh, in the in the S years. And I like it just from a technology point of view, because once they've done the design, they've got it nailed down, their internal team don't have to worry. Nothing's changing. So they can really focus on the chipset, the cameras, the charging system, all those things that are really not how the phone looks, but how it works. Yeah, you know, I, I agree with you 100%. So from a standpoint of, let's say the general consumer, I'd be the first person to tell someone, you know what? you probably, you know, knowing how they use their phone. Okay, yeah. this is, I'm not going to call this as an S year, but you probably don't need to upgrade. And that's okay. Like I, you know, I'm, I've started kind of saying to my videos, like, it's okay, guys, you don't need to upgrade. If you have maybe an 11 Pro or a 12 Pro, I'm going to say most of you watching yeah. are going to be just fine. If you're the person that's going to upgrade every year, no matter what I say, you're going to upgrade yes. every year, right? Um, And I've found it kind of fascinating how over the past, I feel like, Maybe it's because people are more vocal or maybe it's because you and I doing this YouTube thing. We see a lot more of this chatter and dialogue come directly at us. I feel like people get upset when Apple doesn't give them something to buy. It sounds yes. really weird, but I'm starting to see this kind of like, oh, I hate. Why didn't you do this? Um, I'm not going to buy. I'm angry. This is a 12S. Blah. Yeah. And yeah. it's really kind of a, a, a shift in consumer attitude and consumer behavior that has kind of surprised me. Yeah, well, I think it's also the transition. Like for, for many, many years, the phones were in the early adoption phase. They were like science fiction. And because the phones were so terrible at the beginning, like you know, enthusiasts liked them, but they weren't really mainstream products. They iterated really rapidly. They improved really fast. But now they've become mainstream and they're, they're more like tools. They're more like infrastructure. And that pace slows down, just like you know cars and TVs. And I keep joking about this, but when you see car or TV reviews, they don't talk about whether you should upgrade year over year because almost mm. nobody upgrades their car or TV every year. And I think 85% of smartphone owners now don't upgrade every year. And it's moved from being like two years for the mainstream based on carrier contracts to now three to five years, yeah, I think, yeah. for, the, for average people. And, and like you said, unless you're on a yearly update program uh, or you, it's just your thing, you're like the tech guy on your block and you always want the latest one, you don't even really think about it. There's just like this sliver in the middle and it's, it's probably overrepresented on Twitter and YouTube where like <laughs> you'll choose whether to upgrade or not. Then you'll get angry saying you're not going to upgrade. Then you'll upgrade anyway because you feel the FOMO. And then like you're either really happy or really upset or both. Uh, you know, and then that fuels your social media for for two, three months. <laughs> have you know, I'm just curious for you. I mean, I know you and I are both, you know, deep in this. Have there been any iPhone years that you recall that you specifically skipped because it just didn't do enough for you? Or have you no, purchased I, I've always iPhone? gotten them. 
Yeah, and one of the things that that was the most like like formative for me that really explained it well I, for different reasons is I was at Fifth Avenue Apple Store for one of the launches, you know, back before the world started ending, and there was a a, a young guy in the line. And I was just talking to people in the lineup. Are you upgrading? And he's like, you know, I use my iPhone. It's my principal camera. It's my only real camera, and I use it to take pictures of my kids. And I always want the best camera I can have because I can never go back in time and get better pictures of them. So it just needs to be the best it can be every year. So I get the new iPhone every year. And it's not that much more expensive than like a camera. And like they got into the like he and a bunch of other people were saying like how they just sell their phone a couple weeks mm-hmm. before when prices are the highest that pays off most of the new phone. And then they get a brand new phone every year and they just they figured it out. Yeah. You know, I mean, I used to when I was a younger pup, I used to totally be in the eBay game because they, they, they have yeah. really great resale value. Quite honestly, you keep them in good condition. You keep the original packaging. Um, I'm going to tell you, everybody at home, don't do the trade in program. If you can sell your phone on eBay, you you probably arguably get even close to double what the trade-in is, maybe 60% of what the trade-in value is because you're kind of doing all the legwork yourself, but you really will be able to kind of get some of that value back. But I think that- yeah. Oh, there was this, this program. I forget what it was, but someone tweeted at us a, a few days ago that she found a carrier incentive uh, in the US where she got a thousand bucks for her 11 Pro Max, I think. Come on, Plus man. They, waived the, they waived the fee. So she ended up basically getting the, the new Pro for free. I mean, we, that's that's pretty fascinating. And also I think um, Apple's been a little more aggressive with the carrier plans this year to kind of encourage yeah. um, more upgrades, which- it's something we haven't seen before. So I think that that might be maybe a little bit of a sign where they see how the market has changed, how it's matured more for them to kind of step in and say, hey, carriers, let's work together to really try and sell more phones with these better deals than we've seen before. That's kind of a little wrinkle that, you know, it's subtle, but kind of tells you how yeah. um, consumer behavior is toward and attitudes are towards upgrading your phones and not doing it nearly as often that that they did that this year. But also how value valuable that secondary market has become for these devices because they do hold their value. They get updates for so many years. I think they're they're figuring out the, the the long game here. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so let's get into. See, you and I are losing our voices somewhat because we've been yes talking all week, doing <laughs> content galore. I'm actually pretty impressed that you are still alive. Like we're oh, likewise, <laughs> this man. was a tired week, man. Yes. Not complaining, but four phones <laughs> at four phones at once. <laughs> Uh, and an iPad, my friend. Yes, yeah. Oh, Let's not forget there's an iPad in there too. So we're we're gonna stay on the iPhone 13 Pro. I'd love to hear what was the first thing that stood out to you about it. The thing that made me happiest this year was that the iPhone 13 Pro and Pro Max were identical except for screen size and battery size. Because last year and some previous years that hasn't been the case. So like last year. I I had been using the normal size, like I used the the, the 10, and then I used the 10s, not the 10s Max, uh, I did, and then the 11 Pro, not the 11 Pro Max, because it was it was functionally the same. Uh, and this year, oh, sorry, last year I went to the 12 Pro Max because I just I had to have the best camera. And this year I can just go back down because I don't they, they're not they're not conflated anymore. You don't have to get the bigger phone just to get the better system. And I I think that's incredibly valuable to people who don't want. Some people do. Some people want tiny tablets, but not everybody. And this year you can choose. Yeah, I, th- I thought that was a, that was a great move for me. Um, you know, picking up the phone and using it. Damn, I mean, I, I talked about it in my review, but I don't know how your what yours is experience is like. But the battery life on this thing is phenomenal. Um, it is a heavier phone; you can feel it. But I mean, for example, I even tweeted because now that I can kind of talk about it more publicly. Um, you know, I was at it was like seven fifty two p.m., eight p.m. 
using my phone normally. And yes, I know we aren't as out and about as normal, but still my bat, my battery was still at 50, 52 per 50% yeah. at seven fifty two PM at night. Come on guys. Yeah. So yeah. that is one of those things where it looks the same, but guess what? That is a, one of those real life applicable, applicable, like you feel it, it makes the changes. If you can get through a day without literally having to worry about your battery at all, not even have to even worry about a trickle charge here and there. Um, it sounds silly. It's a first world issue, but it, it there's a peace of mind that, that goes with yeah. that. And, um, I think it's super understated. I remember the 11 pro, it was a phone that I was not expecting to upgrade the triple lens camera system blew me away. And the battery life at that time yeah. blew me away. This phone, this 13 pro, um, if it's important to you, the battery life is pretty ridiculous. Um, I, it's, it's definitely, I mean, it sounds always silly to say, Oh, it's the best it's ever been for me up, up to this point. This is the best battery on an iPhone that I've ever experienced. And if I can get through a whole day that matters. Yeah. And I mean, it, especially this year, because last year I feel like the 5G, they were on an X55 modem and the 5G really took a, something right off the top of the battery life, especially mm-hmm. on the mini, uh, because the battery just wasn't so big. And this year, I know it's it's like not one of the pros, but the mini is better than the 12 was last year. And the, the 13 Pro Max, I don't know if you saw it because it was all buzzing over Twitter today, but Arun did his usual, Mr. Who's the Boss did his usual mm-hmm. battery tests. And he had, like, had to cancel his plans because the iPhone wasn't dying. Like it was just, mm. I think it got 10 hours on his torture test where like he considers five hours good for a phone. And it just, it just kept going. And that was my experience. Like I try, it, it was hard. I do, I do Pokemon Go to kill this stuff because every radio is lit up. The screen is lit up. It's mm-hmm. it's hitting the, like every part of the phone and it just doesn't die. Mm-hmm. And that was coming from a 12 where I could kill a 12 Pro Max in a day with Pokemon Go. I could kill it by like 5 p.m. if I really tried. This, the normal one is good. The Max is even better. And if you're doing, that's for mixed workloads. Like Apple's numbers are good, like an extra hour and a half, an extra two hours and a half. But if you're doing optimized workloads, like just watching video, it's like nine hours more or something mm-hmm. than last year. Mm-hmm. It, it's ridiculous. And the, the part that really, like, I don't know how to, it depressed me a little bit, is right after the A15 was announced, uh, people were like, oh, you know, Apple's losing it. They're not doing anything. And it was still 10%. It's still 10% year over year, which is average for an A-series processor. But it's delivering 10% better performance with this much more battery life. Mm, mm, and those mm. things are not usually connected. Like, usually you have to sacrifice on one end or the other. Yeah. So uh, battery life for me, A++. Yes. Not, not not even a question. Um, a plus plus plus. If I could give it as many, I mean, that's a good apple. Okay, I should. I, I, I need to keep. I, <laughs> no, I love that. that. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, all right. What other things that stood out for you? I really liked uh, cinematic mode more than I thought I was would, and not that I thought it was going to be bad. Like, but I thought it's Gen One. My expectations are going to be super low. It's going to look like iPhone Seven portrait mode, and it does. Like, it has the same challenges still with depth detection and segmentation masking, like around the ears and sharp edges, things like that. But it, it's it's got the same emotional resonancy that I feel with things like portrait mode, where it's just like I can shoot and pick focal points and change bokeh live on the camera and in post. Mm. And when you look at that, mm. like I, I used Baby Yoda and Baby Groot because I had to, like for, for one of my video tests, and just being able to rack focus between them, not perfect, but it, it feels like a movie or a TV show in your in your hand. Yeah, I think it's an incredible tool. I mean, for me, I evaluated it and I I was already fascinated by it before I got it. 
I really enjoyed it. I'm going to, it's not bad by any means. It's such a new creative tool. And to your point, right? It's first gen. I think it can get a lot better. I, what what kind of stood out to me is, you know, we get these kind of uh, Q&A kind of preview sessions talking to Apple. And I, I thought that, oh, well, this is a first gen. And it's using the LiDAR sensor. It is not using the LiDAR sensor in the no. Pro or Pro Max at all. So it's just using um, machine learning AI. And then they said the disparity between the uh, detection of the two camera lens, the wide yeah. and the ultra wide, is what they're using to calculate all this, which definitely tells me that it can get a lot better specifically on the pros. I mean, what's I love how they rolled it out on every model. So everyone can use this feature and everyone can play with it and come up with new creative ways to kind of mess with this functionality. But it is going to get a lot better. Once they incorporate the LiDAR sensor into this, it, yeah. it has to get better. So that's going to be fascinating. And then, you know, maybe more processing power and juice will then enable us to get, uh, you know, 4K 30 frames per second support yeah. for it. Um, you know, that those are two ways that it can kind of evolve lighter sensor to get more specific, specificity, specificity, specificity around the yes. head and hair. My goodness, right? <laughs> We're dying here. But and then no, also um, 4K at 30, 30 frames per second. Um, but I, I love it as a tool already. And I, I, I've kind of done this stupid thing where I like did Shauna and I, my girlfriend, we were at the observatory and I like used cinematic mode to like do a pickup line on her. And I'm like, Oh, that's, <laughs> I like to call that a cinematic. It's when you flirt or try and hit on someone using cinematic mode. It's, it's my jam. So I think there's like a lot of things that we don't anticipate this will be used for. And I think young creators TikTokers, social media people, they're going to have fun with this. But it, it's incredible yeah. to see this on a phone. And the first gen, if this is the first gen, very, very, very good showing. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, it, it's it's hard to understand this, you know, I think for a lot of people, but Apple's teams are still small. Like that's one of their, their, their keys to success. And that camera team is continuously overburdened. Like they got to do monocular portrait mode on the iPhone SE one year. Then they got to like figure out, you know, what's coming in the next iPhone. And I, I, I really think they just didn't have time to do anything different with the pros. And so they're doing this depth disparity, this, uh, stereo disparity between the two images, but that really makes it dependent on light. And I saw a lot yeah. of the reviewers who had issues with it were doing low light stuff. Like they were doing music concerts or they were doing things at night where people like Justine and, you know, Jonathan Morrison were doing out like music out in, in bright sunlight and it worked way, way better. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure at some point they'll have the ability to tie LIDAR into it and that'll give it lower light performance within like the 10 foot or I think it's 10 feet range uh, and it'll give it enhanced depth data. But to your point, yeah, I think they just wanted to roll it out across the cameras this year. So we're getting like the baseline solution mm -hmm. and there's nowhere to go, but them taking in all this data and then adding more additional hardware and processing to it and then I understand 1080 30. I want, you know, 4K 24 for cinematics. Uh, you know, <laughs> 4K 24. I got to have yeah, my yeah, motion yeah. blur. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then it's going to be great. Absolutely. Yeah. So, okay. So we we got um, cinematic mode. Let's talk about the macro camera. Yes. Um, man. Uh, talk about, we know this exists on Android phones, on some Android phones, everyone listening. Yeah. Um, again, this is kind of another tool that someone can have in their in their pocket with one of the most versatile, best cameras out on the market. And macro mode is impressive. Now, there was some you know, hubbub, and I, I'm glad other reviewers brought up where when you are using the wide lens and you get closer to shot, there's kind of a transition that happens um, 
that you can see on screen that changes from the wide to the ultra wide lens. And, you know, I had asked Apple like, Hey, is there a way that we can just not have this? Because typically if this is a pro phone, my, my logic is if this is a pro phone, pro photographers know what lens to go to and use it in that way. They don't want to see me pushing in and then, you know, it, it doing that kind of glitch, but then I get it in a weird way. Apple, this is a consumer feature too. If yeah. my mom or, you know, my niece or nephews, they just want to be on the, just on the camera and use it. So I actually see both sides, but it was, it was really interesting to see how Apple definitely acknowledged that and said, Hey, we're going to release a software update where if you want to get rid of that, you can. And it's speaks to, even though it is a little different, I've started to kind of see a little different Apple from a standpoint of when they released the iOS 15 Safari beta, I was like, okay, I know you yes. don't like doing this, but I feel like you guys need to offer some sort of a classic mode because this is going to freak my mom out and general users out. And at first they didn't, you know, we had some, this followed up later, like, oh, here's some updates we did. And they like, oh, we're bringing the option to have someone put the URL search bar on the top. And I'm like, whoa, okay. They actually listened to not just me, but I'm sure other people that gave them that feedback. And then I see them listen here with the iPhone, specifically with the camera lens. And we know in the past, Apple has been like, this is the way that we're doing it. This is, this is, you know, hold it different. You're holding it wrong, right? You're holding it wrong was like, right. Kind of the mentality in the past. And so I've, those two instances have shown me a little different Apple behind the scenes, willing to listen and then actually making the change. Yeah, I, I'm really conflicted on this. And for exactly the reasons you said, like my background is graphic design and I've always liked Apple's philosophy of we're going to make hard choices for you mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, other companies will just put 19,000 buttons on, on, on the settings menu. And most people <laughs> don't change defaults, but also like when you see that you become paralyzed. It's just like there's way too many options. And so, and Apple in general has looked at the camera system, not as three separate lenses, but those are like an implementation detail. Don't worry about that. Our job is to get you the best photo. So like even when they announced the telephoto lens originally, they would shift to the wide angle because it was just a better lens to pull in more light and they'd crop down. So it was like a fake telephoto, but it got you a better photo. And they're just like, let us worry about the lenses. And if you, if you do care, get Halide, get like, you know, one of the manual camera apps, get Filmic Pro. That sort of thing. So I was on board with like them pushing in to do this. Uh, and then it got flipped around on me because like, I forget who it was, maybe it was Ray Wong or somebody's like, but I want like a blurry thing in the front. I want that bokeh in the front and I want to take a picture of something else behind it. And I can't do that anymore because the camera just flips to macro mode. I'm like, okay, totally 100% makes sense. And then at the same time, I'm like, I just shot HDR accidentally. because Well, not accidentally. Like, the, you couldn't not do HDR in the, in the, review units we got for cinematic mode. It was just a bug that they're fixed, but it was always HDR. And I was doing an SDR timeline. And this is really geeky, but it took me longer to regrade and you know change the color space of the footage. And I didn't have that extra time. And I'm just like, can you please, like you've got a 4K 1080 button, you've got a 24, 30, 60 button. Mm-hmm. They're just, it needs to show you an HDR like it used to with photos. And let me press that button to turn it off. I shouldn't have to go to the settings and like try to Absolutely. find it every time. And then when I airdrop it, because you're, you're keeping both the SDR and the HDR tone map, just let me choose which one I want to airdrop. Mm -hmm. So like I had to airdrop to an old iPad because then it automatically gives the SDR map and then re airdrop like an animal. 
And we can get to, I recorded my whole A-roll in cinematic video and it was gigs. And I was trying to transfer that over lightning or air or airdrop because we can talk about that eventually too. But I'm just like, I, we need that as a setting pretty please. All right. Thanks again to Quip for sponsoring my podcast. And we know things are starting to get back to normal. We're getting back into routines and seeing people in. I don't know about you. I might have skipped, uh, you know, maybe brushing my teeth a few times during the pandemic because I was tired. I knew I wasn't going to see someone the next day and admit it. I, I don't think I'm the only one. You've probably done it too. Uh, probably. Some of you are shaking your head. Well, good health starts with good habits and Quip makes it easy by delivering all the oral care essentials that you need to care for your mouth. Now, the Quip electric toothbrush is loved by over 7 million mouths and has timed sonic vibrations with 30 second pulses to guide a dentist recommended two minute clean it's a lightweight and sleek design for adults and kids there's no wires or bulky chargers to weigh you down and it's a multi-use travel cover that comes with it that doubles as a mirror mount for less clutter on top of your brushing you can upgrade your quip with a new smart motor to track and improve your brushing with the free quip app you can earn amazing rewards like free refills products, Target gift cards, and more. But beyond the brush, Quip has everything you need to build a complete routine. You have this anti-cavity toothpaste in mint or watermelon. I like watermelon. That helps prevent cavities. There's also two ways to floss with the floss string that expands to clean or reusable floss pick that replaces over 180 disposable picks with every refill. Also, there's a refillable mouthwash. That's a four times concentrate. Plus, it's good for you and the planet. In addition to brush heads, Quip also delivers fresh floss, toothpaste, mouthwash, and gum refills every three months from $5. Shipping is free, so you can save money and skip the hustle and bustle of all that in-store shopping. With stylish and affordable electric brushes starting at just $25, you won't be paying through the teeth for better oral health. Get it? So my Quip toothbrush, it's on its way. I'm excited to try it out. There's just so many things that are getting smart now, and things are just packing new tech to make them even more useful. So if you go to getquip.com slash applebits right now, you'll get your first refill free. That's your first refill free at getquip.com slash applebits spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P.com slash applebits. Quip, the good habits company. Even, even honestly, when you go into macro mode, just a notation on the corner, like yeah. macro, it's just, you know, subtle things. And I'm, I'm sure things like that will come around. Like, so people that are listening to us are probably like, wow, you guys are really high on the iPhone 13 pro. And I don't know if I'm really high, but these are honestly legit highlights of what makes this phone. And we'll, we'll kind of talk about our overall assessment yeah. of it later. Um, any other, other highlights for you that we haven't talked about or maybe surprises and Good or bad, it doesn't have to be like the best. Yeah, thing. no, I mean, well, yeah. So there's there's a bunch. Well, first, like, also we're we're geeks about this stuff. Like, I I, sh I got a hundred millimeter macro lens for my Canon camera because I love to shoot macros and being able to shoot them on my iPhone. And I concede, sure. like, Brian and I will both concede that either Nokia or HTC invented everything about cameras for phones back in 1812. There's very little new. It's just like implementation. Mm -hmm. That changes now. So like they've had no cameras with nine cameras, like phones with nine cameras on them. There's nothing really <laughs> new here. It's just like they're, they're making it mass market at this point, yeah. which is really yeah. great to see. But for me, like the frustration was really trying to move big video files through lightning or airdrop. And it's only going to get worse because I, I believe ProRes is going to be 422 and like three gigs a minute. And if we record like five minutes of video, that's like 15 gigs. And 
I know people want USB-C on their iPhone and I know Thunderbolt controller chips aren't small, but like if, if these are really pro cameras, mm-hmm. I use Thunderbolt to get footage off my, the camera I'm using right now. I want to use Thunderbolt to get ProRes off of the iPhone when it's available. It's just like lightning is just not fast enough anymore. Renee, I'm going to even break your heart even more. Um, the actual numbers, because uh, I had asked them specifically, it's for one minute of ProRes at 1080p to 30 frames per sec at 30 frames per second is 1.5 to 1.7 gigs. Okay, a minute. Yeah. 4K, 30 frames per second. Sorry, not 24, but you know, I'm sure they'll give us the option, yeah. hopefully. 4K at 30 frames per second for one minute of ProRes video, six gigs a minute. Ouch. Not not even Ouch. three, my friend. So, you know, that's one of the criticisms I put on like, okay, ProRes is going to be a software update later. You're telling me I'm going to squeeze this thing through lightning? You're telling me I'm going to squeeze this <laughs> thing through AirDrop? And hell no, we are not going to use 5G. <laughs> even try to find, you're, you're not going to find it, but to try and even say, oh, you could upload it over 5G. So that becomes, um, from a practicality standpoint of workflow, okay, I'm not going to celebrate when they bring USB-C to this phone. Eventually, yeah. I hope. Eventually, we've the EU is trying to propose. It has proposed, yeah. and this has been in the works for a long time, to basically force or have a mandate for manufacturers to have a universal connection, and that would mean Lightning would potentially go away. But by the time this gets pushed through, it'll be maybe two years or so, and Apple will probably have USB-C by then. But to put ProRes video on this, which is, and we'll see how much we use it. You know, I've got to play with it and be like, is ProRes on an iPhone really worth it for a creator like me? I hope it is. But the data, tra- the transfer of those files, yeah. that's a whole different ball game. And now hardware, we're not necessarily equipped with a nice pro workflow. And that needs to change. Yeah, yeah. And it's going to be like, for me, I use, like, I'm recording in 10-bit right now, like 10-bit XFAVC, uh, just because if anything is wrong, it gives me a lot better opportunity to fix it in post. Like, it's not a fragile format. Uh, and the same thing is true for ProRes. Like, if you don't care, like, you can you can shoot an HEVC, mm-hmm. it's fine. But like, you know, as mutual friend Alex Lindsay would explain, when you're shooting with, like, with compressed mode... You don't get leaves and trees. You get a green texture that at a distance looks like leaves and trees. When you shoot with ProRes, you get leaves on trees. Mm-hmm. Like So if you're showing anything that the texture is important, the background's important, the feel's important, or you're not sure of the conditions, or like sometimes the iPhone doesn't get it right. Sometimes it's too warm, too cool, overexposed, underexposed. Mm-hmm. And your ability to recover that is really limited in like H.264, H.265. So there will be situations, but now I'm going to be concerned about how long I record for. And it's the last thing you want, like when you're doing production work. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a reason I write 4K at 30 frames per second ProRes is not going to be an option for the 128 gig iPhones. And yeah, yes. it's six, six gigs per minute. <laughs> That's why. Um, so we have that. I think that with these phones, what I do appreciate though is whether, again, this, this is the thing that we always have to consider is you and I create content for a living. There, our workflow is literally like, hey, I need to grab this thing on my phone. I'm going to get an airdrop it on my computer. I'm going to drop yeah. it on my timeline and edit it. That is a workflow, like a tool in our yep. in our in our kit that is invaluable. Like I can't do that with an Android phone. Like I, I honestly I can't make that seamless transition. And so I did appreciate that this pro phone, these pros felt like to me for the for, I don't want to say the first time, but really trying to embrace that name pro and now say, these are 
pro phones because I'd always yes. be like, oh, what what makes this phone pro? I think the first time it was like, oh, it's got a bigger screen. That's what makes it pro, really, guys. Like that that doesn't make you know something pro. It's but got a third camera, <laughs> right? Right. Okay, I guess that's pro. So, you know, general consumers that are hoping for something more, these features, ProRes cinematic mode, cool for us, really cool for us, but. I can see why there was frustration or people that are like, oh, this is crap. Although I don't think it's crap, but it's just that you and I are kind of that sliver of audience that actually this these changes really make a difference for. Yeah, no, absolutely. And like to your point, like the other thing that was surprising to me, promotion is so easy to do badly. Like, well, not promotion, 120 hertz is so easy to do badly. Like, I know a lot of people just yell, I want 120 hertz because the number is higher. But like, as the Hobbit movie showed us, that sometimes just gives you more frames to hang yourself on. Like, if you don't nail it <laughs> completely, like it can look like it can look uncanny sometimes. Uh, and also like with a lot of the early implementations, if the brightness changed, it forced the screen to down ramp, like visibly down ramp. Or when the when the when it up ramped, it changed the color management. And like that's something Apple invested heavily in. Like they can show you a P3 cinematic image next to an sRGB image at the same time, and they just ha- like you never have to worry about it, and you will never notice it. And that's one of the nice things about the iPhone is from factory calibration to the way they manage it through the camera onto the display. It just handles it. And you can break that so easily with like the depth of the, like how many bits the display is and, and how, what the refresh rate is. And they, I understand like they wanted to do this last year. They're just, Samsung could literally not make enough of the panels that they needed. This year they have enough for the pro models. But I was worried that there was just so many things that could break. Or even it would just like, because they're doing um, 10 hertz to 120 hertz. Like on some phones, you see the the acceleration lag. Like it's like it's not in real time. So like you start to scroll, and it's like, yeah, okay, I'm scrolling now. Mm-hmm. They just nailed it. They nailed it to the point where, like the iPad Pro, it feels invisible to me. I can tell the text is crispy when I when I when I swipe through it. I can tell like the the video game we got to try out Catalyst Black. Mm-hmm. I could tell the frame rate was like really really high, but I never I, I never noticed it. It never took me out of the experience, uh, and that I thought was really really hard to do, and they did it really well. Yeah, you know, I because we aren't around people, if I could do this in normal times, I would literally go on a go on a street, set up a table yeah. and just get 50 people put two phones side by side and just see if they and just be like what's different. And I don't know how honestly, I don't know how many people would pick up on it. Even my girlfriend when I gave it to her, I said, "What's different?" She's like, "Do you know what she said?" She's like, "Um, I don't know if this is true, but it kind of feels like a that soap opera effect you see on TVs that yes. you always tell me about. Yeah, that, that can happen too. That that she's like so that so that she just said that so it looks smoother. It's like I'm not used to it, but and I you know then you get a little you tell her oh these are the advantages of it you know from a standpoint of there's gaming advantages it does look smoother. Um, you know artists the kind of the one to one relationship with you know drawing in artwork and things of that nature, but you know. If I could, I would have loved to get even just 30 people in a room that have no idea that I have a the iPhone or they don't even know which one is which and just say, what do you think is different? And just see what they'd say, right? It just that's that's always interesting because I don't know how many people, general users, would really pick up on it. I don't know, you know, you and I were around this stuff. I mean, I've also used the 120 hertz display on the S21 Ultra um and Samsung stuff for a while and I it's gorgeous, but it, 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 it's nice to have, but it didn't make make as much of an impact on me because 
you know, we're, we're around it more. Um, well, there's also it, like, a, there's a huge disparity in, in just like in human beings, like the difference between 1080p and 4k for like a lot of people, they don't even notice it unless they're mm-hmm, really, really that's close. A great point. They're that's just, their point. vision isn't sharp enough, but SDR to HDR, most people notice because we are color sensitive. Like a lot of people are color sensitive enough to notice this is way richer, way deeper, you know, deeper blacks, better highlights, reds look better. Like they, they won't always know exactly what it is, but they'll just say, oh, wow, this image looks dull now and this one looks good. 120 hertz is similar to like the 4K. There's a lot of people whose vision just isn't acute enough to notice any difference. And that's fine. Um, and there's some people... Like I think that the the highest a human eye can go is 480 hertz, which is just technologically impossible now. <laughs> but they've they've done green diode measurements on on human vision, and you can you can see it up to 480 hertz. Then you start to top out at that. But I think even if you don't appreciate the 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 experience of the 120 the amount of battery it gives you back on those pro phones is so astronomical that you'll appreciate the 10 hertz even if you don't know that it's there. Yeah, with this with the adaptive rate um, refresh. Uh, okay, so let's talk about maybe things. I guess it's still in the app Apple ethos, but you know we didn't we didn't see any type of this is the type of phone that and I know they make their plans way ahead of time, but it would have been perfect or it would have been nice to get a Touch ID power button on yeah. here. You know, and it, what's interesting is that you know you look at actually the iPad Mini and it has USB C. And it has a touch ID power button. And I'm like, yeah. damn, like in a weird way, you, you look at that product and I'm not saying it's the iPhone, but they put it, they put it on there. Yes. The roadmaps are different, but I'm like, those are two like kind of fundamental things that we could see And fine. Maybe they bring it next year, but it's been so long. And especially with the, the climate of pandemic, like I just felt those are two things that you put, you add that in. It definitely whether it looks the same or not, I think you get a lot more people upgrading if you added those two features. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I know some people say, well, Apple will never give up the profits from uh, the MFI the program for Lightning. To, but you know, that is so insignificant compared to, like, that's like Tim Cook's pocket change compared to saying. iPhone money. Uh, and like, it, it has helped historically because early USB-C cables were trashed. You never knew which one had which feature. Mm-hmm, and like, mm-hmm. Some of them were so bad they would they would catch on fire. Like they were just it was terrible at the beginning. It's pretty good now. Lightning was always good because Apple certified them, but now USB C is a really strong technology implementation, yep. and it can do things that like they haven't kept up with Lightning. They never they never increased the speed of Lightning. They haven't made like a Lightning two electric boogaloo or anything yet. Mm-hmm. So like it's aging out, and that that's exactly the kind of thing you know that would be a big advantage. And also Touch ID. I'm going to use the touch bar as like an example for this, even though it's not related, (laughs) but like the touch bar, you can love it or hate it. And I find it useful for some things, but Apple's never developed it. They announced it in 2016. They haven't given it haptics. They haven't really done anything with it. And I never want to be more invested in a technology than the company that makes it. That's just a bad consumer position. And the same thing with like face ID on the iPhone. The, the the iPad can already do like 360 degrees of Face ID. The iPhone still can't go past 45 degrees. Like like where is the like it's it's still limited when it comes to masks. The Apple Watch helps, but not everybody has an Apple Watch. Mm-hmm. And the facial geometry, as far as I can tell, hasn't improved to 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 be like like just to be considerate of people who are wearing masks. 
And whether they can do in-display fingerprint or not, just putting that touch ID there would mean so much to so many people. And yes, I'm not paying the bills. I'm not doing like the bull of goods. I'm not like looking at price structures for all of this. I can just tell you as a consumer, that stuff yes. would be kind in, a, in two years that had not been very kind to us. Yeah, yeah. That's And just knowing, you know, again, to your point, okay, bill of goods, I think people are going to buy iPhones, even if they, if they said this iPhone 12 Pro was 1049 instead of 999, even though it's a nice price. Yeah. Okay. Looks nice cosmetically. We're at the point where people know what phones they are, what ecosystem they're married to. People know what phones they want. You throw in USB C and a touch ID sensor and you charge 1049, if that's possible, which I think it is. Um, you you don't have you don't I don't think you hear even uh what 10% of the backlash that you get. I, I just find like, yeah, if we see it in the next phone, fine. But it, again, some of this stuff, and we know this, you know, Apple's take takes their time and the notch is smaller, but it's still there. So I'm not going to pass it's them a little on the deeper back. now. It's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's so weird. It's like, okay, we reduced it by 20%, but you know, the way our brain registers it, does yeah. not treat it any differently than it was before. Yeah. And there's no um, extra data. Like we didn't gain yeah, like yes, a percentage yes. or anything on it. Yeah. We didn't get, you know, people have been clamoring, okay, you you shrunk it down a little. Can we see a battery percentage by numbers? You know, could on on screen. I know if you swipe down in control center, it'll it'll yeah. let you see the percentage, but just on screen immediately and not even having the option to change that on screen for just the the regular display, that even just a subtle thing like that would be nice. But you know, I those are kind of gripes that I think people that love this platform are going to buy this phone no matter what every year. But those are kind of fundamental things that is important in the psyche of the general consumer. Um, the person that's not going to just open their wallets to whatever Apple throws at them. Yeah. And I have this beautiful dream. I think we talked about before where like right now you still have to actively face ID or actively touch ID or actively pass code. And I want to get to a point where like, we're not working for the machine, it's working for us. Mm -hmm. And so that if it gets like a glimpse of our face or like a, a touch of our finger, or here's a snippet of our voice, because Siri can understand different voices now and it can do gait analysis. So it knows what our walking is. And if it's reasonably sure that it's us, we can mm -hmm. say, you know, if you think it's us, just stay unlocked, you know, especially mm -hmm. if I'm at home, just stay unlocked. And and then if Love you don't that. know if it's us, if you get confused, then challenge us. Say you have to touch ID or face ID, but otherwise like it should be doing all this grunt work for us. Yeah. And I, even just from a standpoint of let's get their devices on par where, okay, the iPad mini has a touch ID sensor, but no face ID. Yeah. The iPad mini has a touch ID sensor. The iPad pro has face ID. The iPhone yeah. has face ID. Like these are those and they can do it. Like we know they can do it they need to make that consistent across their line, right? Like, yeah. and to me, consistency is bring both touch ID and face ID on these things. I think you squash a lot of pain points for a lot of people that have learned one way or the other, prefer one way or the other, but has that option. And, you know, you, you look at Android phones that have passcode, swipe code, face, you know, uh, yeah. facial recognition, fingerprint in display recognition, fingerprint sensor on phone. I mean, it's doable. Probably so. dance detection at this point. <laughs> jiggle, jiggle detection. So you can renegade you know, your way into your phone. <laughs> I just, you know, I think I wanted to bring it up because I think it's important for listeners. Like, yo, we we do. Although we might sometimes have a different perspective, like we consider all these things. Of you know, we're just not like 
the super hardcore techie, like everything they do is great because there's new tech. Yeah. I mean, I guess you can take that perspective, but um, you know, I'm just really curious. I think we're reasonable about it too. Like, like we can spend Tim Cook's money all day, but they're like they're going to have price points they want to reach, but we can quibble with what they choose to put in or take out to make those price points. Okay. Here, here's another thing. Uh, when we talk about people buying or upgrading, do you feel based on the feedback that you've received from whether they're people in the tech space or the consumer space that the iPhone 14 leaks, if true or not, hurt this generation's upgrade? I think, you know, there's always going to be some Osborne effect. Like that's, and if people aren't familiar with Osborne effect, that just means when you talk about future technologies, it makes people less mm-hmm. likely to buy present technologies because the future is not a real thing. Like it can be anything that you dream it can be. And right mm-hmm. now the iPhone 14 can be this beautiful dream. I, you know, I looked at some of the rumors and some of them don't make sense to me just from physics, like a point of view, but that doesn't matter because somebody sees it and they're just like, oh, that's that's what I dream. And when it doesn't exist, that it can be everything that you dream. So I think for a, a I think for the percentage of people who are tuned in to the rumors, it it will give them like, you know, I was going to update this here, but I'm going to wait. But I think we because we're in tech Twitter and tech YouTube, we overrepresent how many people oh, that really totally. is, even oh. though it's trending on Twitter, even like we know, like we see people buying iPhone 12s the day before they announce the iPhone 13. <laughs> so I think in lar- like in macro, in large, it doesn't really hurt Apple. It just annoys them more than anything else. Yeah, I mean, I've had a few people that have said, I'm not going to upgrade this year because I'm just going to wait for the 14. So I think it maybe has a little bit of a dent, but when you yeah. say in the whole large scope of things, is Apple going to send 10 sell tens of millions of iPhone 13s this year? They will. I don't even think a million less people will be will stop themselves from upgrading because of those 14 leaks. I think it maybe it's like 100,000 maybe? Like I don't know. I really yeah. don't know no, but even with all those leaks, the impact of it, I don't think it drastically hurts their bottom line so much that it it's a devastating hit to their quarter quarterly earnings. You know, Apple has been smart to diversify, right? It's all about services now yeah. to really drive a lot of revenue. Um, I'm I'm still curious about the Apple Watch Series 7. As time has gone on, I feel less and less inclined to upgrade. Um, I have a Series 4. I never upgraded the 5 or 6, and it does everything I need to. So even though the tech upgrader in me is like, hey, I haven't upgraded in three years, I should get the 7. As time has gone on after the announcement, I'm like, hmm, I don't know now. And I, I, at first, I was like, I'm definitely going to get the 7 just because it's been three years. I don't know. That's one review that is going to really make it or break it for me. And I I love that because it makes it more fun to be like, is this really worth the upgrade? You know? So, um, and there's so different, like the iPhone market is so mature now. They like most, most people have a smartphone. Most people have a a fairly recent smartphone. So you're really talking about upgraders and then a small percentage of switchers every year. But there's so many people who don't have an Apple watch. I think Apple really focuses on how do we get like the 80% of iPhone owners who don't have an Apple watch yet to buy their first Mm -hmm. Apple watch. And I'm very much like you, like for me, it was always on display because before that it was an Apple watch whose primary function and it did not serve. Like you know, a lot of the time, you just couldn't tell time. And that, that was like, you have one job according to your name. So for me, the always on display was like the biggest seller for me. Um, and then this year, whether the bigger screen or not, is that helpful? Like you, I'm gonna have to no. figure that out in the review, but I don't think it's it's about yearly upgrades, especially with the Apple Watch. It really is about getting people into their first Apple Watch. You know, I get hammered for not upgrading to a five, but 
I had found at least for me, the way that I flick my wrist and I always see the display, like people are saying, Hey, when I turn my wrist, it doesn't register as well. Well, just for me, the time that it takes for the always on to kind of actually fill out and show me the data well enough that I can like clearly see it. It was just about the same time. So that's why I never did it. And some people are like, come on, Brian, like yeah, at least get the always on, but at least for me, and this is me, it just didn't change how I used my Apple watch enough. Yeah, it was I the get why other for me. And that's what, you know, we are both tech reviewers and we both chose different roads, but you know, you're yeah. at series five. You didn't go to series six, did you? No, I was, I'm on okay, series yeah. five. So you're at series five. You know, I know we're, we're talking about iPhone, but it, you know, this is all stuff that's coming. Uh, how compelled, like, where are you at with this whole Apple watch series seven? Are you like, I think I'm going to upgrade or are you like, I really have to wait and see, or you're like, no, nah, I don't think I'm going to upgrade. Where are you at with that? Yeah. So, um, it's like it's funny because like originally I would get every every new year because they were new and exciting and I wanted the new materials. So I like I tried the ceramic, I tried the titanium, um, but then I realized like these are expensive and the aluminum ones are really good, you know, for like a fraction of the price. And last year, like there there are some like if the blood oxygen thing was really compelling to you, like I totally understand why somebody yeah. would get it. Like there are people who who that is really really helpful information to. For me, like it's the the seven it's really going to just be up to that. Like how much difference does that display? I use the modular, the, like the, the digital modular face for my daily heads up display. Like it has all the information for my entire day on it, my rings, my calendar appointments, everything. And if I, if that is a better experience for me, it's not that much money. I'll do the upgrade, but then, you know, that that's about the only thing that I'm, that I'm looking at it for. Otherwise I think like the watches are really, really good right now. The last three generations. Yeah. I think really the sleeper feature, and it, it it shouldn't be the biggest feature, but it might be compelling for someone like you and I who have a five or four that might be, you know, maybe the battery's not performing as well. That 45 minute charge to 80% because oh, yeah. it doesn't, because, right, we always, if we don't charge it overnight or one night, if some people do it in the morning, they have the routine, but if we don't charge it, mine dies the next morning at like nine or 10 a.m. But that yeah. 45 minute, 80% charge, that does change how I'm able to keep this watch Apple watch going. Um, that's much more doable. So it sounds so weird, that, but not sounds weird, but man, would that be the feature that makes me actually upgrade? It might, we'll get back on track with, you know, we are here to talk about the iPhone. I don't look, you and I could talk about everything. I just like went on a tangent yes. for Apple watch because it's All like <laughs> at the top of my mind. You know, we, we do talk, but not like this often. So, you know, we talked all about the iPhone 13 Pro and Pro Max. Um, I'm assuming you got a Pro. You didn't get a 13 or 13 Mini, correct? Yeah, I, I got the Pro Max again. Like I was thinking about just going for the Pro, but I've, I've been using the Mac, and I, I might switch it. I reserve the right to switch it depending yeah. on. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to spend. I, I usually keep the review units for a little while because I want to do like a, a two week and one month later review of the different models as well, and I'm. I'm not going to buy all four models again this year. Um, so I'm, I'm going to spend more time with the regular sized one. And then, you know, maybe I'll switch that. Uh, but I went with the Max again just because it it's it's so big. Like it's, it's like it really is a tiny tablet and I can do everything on it. So, you know, what is your even though I know you're getting one and obviously I'm getting one. What would you would be kind of like if we tied it up in a bow for you, your overall assessment of this iPhone, uh, you know, and in comparison to maybe someone who might be looking to upgrade or not, like what, what, what's the Renee Ritchie take? 
Yeah, I think Apple um, spent their time and their budget, everything, like their silicon budget, their transistor budget, their space inside the device budget. I think they spent it super smart this year because they focused on the two things that survey after survey tell them that customers care about the most, and that's battery life and camera features. And the battery life is just such a significant improvement, especially if you're like an iPhone mini person. It's It's a difference between like going all day and going into the night which is like a huge difference. And if it's the max, it's like going from more than a day to well into the next day, uh, depending on what your workload is. And that that's a huge difference. And then just the camera features every year, there's more like modes to play with, which is fun, but also just the pictures are better and better. And I have a, I have a, a Canon R5 that I, that I take around for photography and I use it for a bunch of things, but the less I have to carry that, the better and the better photos I have, especially cause I'm going to use stuff that I shoot on this for the next year. So the best quality I have, the best it can help me fix mistakes that I make still in all that photography, the better. So for me, those are the two, if battery life or camera have been an issue, if you're hitting up, on that on that battery limit or like you take photographs in situ like you're a concert photographer or you take photographs in, in, in places where you are hitting those limits this will get you even further on both those things yeah i mean i 100 percent agree i i've you know i'll still take the perspective of i think the 11 pro and 12 pro or any of those phones in, the, in that line depending on where you sit whether you're a regular 12 or 12 pro i mean the cameras are still pretty like not even yeah. pretty they're they're amazing they're they're more then capable. Once you get to that triple lens system uh, level, I mean, the cameras are phenomenal. And so that's why if someone's like, eh, should I upgrade? I'm like, yes. If you care about the best camera, those are the type of people that are going to upgrade every year. Like you, you know, and almost for yeah. me, I almost upgrade every year. So that's going to be like, okay, you guys are there. But, you know, if you're happy with your phone, whatever phone that is, like, don't upgrade. And it's that simple. Yeah. I just feel like people don't hear that. And maybe there's, like you said, there's the point of the FOMO of, oh, I don't have the latest iPhone. Like, I think over the past year and a half, like, man, I'm grateful for everything that, you know, we have. And if you don't need a new iPhone, don't get a new iPhone. But the battery in the camera is what this thing is all about. I mean, literally the title of my review was iPhone 13 Pro review, battery, camera, everything pro. So, you know, your summary and mine and what, you know, summed up in like, 80 characters is exactly how I feel about this. So um, I think it was, obviously it's not a groundbreaking uh, product at all, but it's a nice upgrade. And if you're, you fit in that cycle, then, you know, go for it. I think you're going to be super happy. And one of my friends who has an eight, she's like, I'm going to get the 12 pro or sorry, the 13 pro. Yeah. I've seen what might happen with the 14, but I don't care, but I need a new phone. And I think this is like going from an eight to this, that's a game changer. <laughs> yes. That is a game changer. Yeah, that's a nice upgrade. And there's a lot of people in that space. So um, I think it was a solid phone for this year. It's not, I mean, call it a 12, 12S if you want. The funny thing about that is like Apple kind of trained people to call their, you know, instead of going from number to number, they're the ones that started this whole kind of 4S, 5S nomenclature. And now they're like, obviously they're staying away from that. We go from 12 to 13 and We'll probably go or 11, yeah. 12 to 13 and probably 14. But, you know, I think the fan base can't help but be like, oh, I didn't get what I wanted. It looks the same. It's got to be an S year. 
Well, it's pure marketing. Like they didn't make a yeah. 7S, they made an 8 because they didn't think anybody yeah. would buy a 7S when the 10 was coming out, but giving it a whole number, that would make it more exciting. But then the 10S, they wanted to tamp down expectations because it wasn't a huge difference. And they're like, well, if we don't, if we call it the 11, people will say it's not like a great upgrade, but if we call it a, a 10S, then they'll be like, oh, it's, you know, it's an iteration on the 10. Mm -hmm. So it's like mm -hmm. marketing is pure psychology. They just, yeah. they decide to either hype things up or tamp them down. And that's the name they pick. And they could call it anything. I, I keep joking. Like they could call it the iPhone Dark Knight Returns. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It's, it's a decision they make in marketing. So like, I like that, that, that one. This year they wanted the number and they weren't, they weren't shy about, uh, about lucky number 13. <laughs> All right, Renee. Um, you know, could you tell people that are listening or watching the ways that they can find you on the interwebs and all your great content and where to see it. Sure. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, I'm, you know, youtube.com slash Renee Ritchie or twitter.com slash Renee Ritchie. I'm at both of those things. And uh, again, huge, huge fan of, of your work, Brian. And thank you so much for having me. Man, always great to have you here, Renee. We will do it again. I mean, we always do yes. it, you know, and so um, love having you here. Thanks for all your great insight and uh, we'll see you soon. Okay, buddy. You too. Okay, everybody. So there you go. Just, our thoughts, Renee and I going back and forth, are, I guess it's our in-depth iPhone 13 Pro review. And, you know, I'd love to hear from you all. Was it enough for you? Did it do enough? Was the battery life? Was the camera? Was there anything else specifically that you just had to upgrade? Or do you just like to upgrade because that's how you roll? Or are you still holding out on a phone maybe three years four years, five years older, like, I think that's completely fine. You know, I talked about it. It's don't upgrade if you don't need to upgrade and you're gonna be just fine. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Remember to be a part of the show. I gotta always tease it. All you gotta do is record a voice memo, call in applebitsshow at gmail.com. That's applebits with a Z. I know you have plenty you wanna talk about, so just call in. Leave your name, where you're from, and what you want to talk about. A minute, 30 to two minutes tops. We will put it on the show. I think there's going to be a lot of thoughts here around the iPhone 13, 13 mini. I mean, are you impressed with the mini? One and a half hours more juice on that small form factor. That can make a difference. But for the 13 Pro, without using it for a camera test all day, I've been able to get through each day without charging at all, which is wild. I'm sure maybe when... You know, I'm away from my desk the entire time. Maybe that's not the case, but it'll still go pretty dang long for sure. All right. Also, before we go, we got to give big thanks to our Platinum Apples at the $100 level. Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frater, Jarrett Luce, Atarni Koenigsegg. Thank you so much for all of your support. Thank you to all of you who continue to contribute and allow me to keep on doing this, supporting my video content, and then also here, the podcast, early access to content, rewards at different levels, and a completely ad-free version of the show. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for this week. I plan and I'm going to be really trying hard to get more guests on the show because the iPhones weren't the only things that came out, but this was obviously kind of the biggest thing that people are talking about right now. So love to hear your thoughts as well. Come back next week. We'll be here. Same bat time, same bat channel. It's the Apple Bits XL, baby. Peace. Peace.